to like an uncanny degree, we're, we're very, very influenced just by how easy something is. And so for something like working out, you want to make it as easy as possible. And I've heard from many people who say that they, they sleep in their workout clothes so they don't have to get dressed in the morning. Oh, gosh. It's just one thing that you can do. But again, like if it's much easier for you and your schedule to work out at a time, that's something we're thinking about. Like the idea that you should do it first thing in the morning. It's like, well, if it's easier for you to do it at lunchtime, then you should do what works for you because it's like you'll stick to it better if it's convenient. Inform Nation, welcome to episode 30 of the Inform Fitness Podcast and part two of our interview with best selling author. Gretchen Rubin. I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network and a client of Inform Fitness for the past year and a half or so at the time of this recording. And in less than a minute, we will be joined by the founder of Inform Fitness himself, Adam Zickerman. We'll also be joined by the co-owner of the Toluca Lake Burbank location, Sheila Melody, and the GM of the Manhattan location, Mike Rogers. All right, so who's in for developing better habits that result in positive outcomes? Well, we all are. You wouldn't have subscribed to this podcast if you weren't. However, as we all know, sometimes it's difficult to perhaps kick a bad habit or to start a healthy new one. Whether you want to lose some weight or gain some muscle, eat healthier, and even strengthen your relationships, Gretchen Rubin's got you covered with some brilliant suggestions as to how, and equally as important, when to change a habit's trajectory. This episode is about twice as long as our normal episode, so let's get right to it. Here's part two of our interview with best-selling author Gretchen Rubin. So, Gretchen, you talk about these tendencies, these four tendencies, and then you start talking about if you're going to start somewhere, you might as well start with some of the big ones, yeah. the, the, the big habits, I guess, like almost like a, like a Maslow's hierarchy type of yeah. thing, and you know, and the basic foundation. And you say if you're going to start working on some some habits some foundation, you call them the foundational habits, uh, it's best to start with a couple of the key ones, like, yeah. like dealing with your sleep, mm-hmm. all right, dealing with moving, exercise, yeah. you call it move, uh, and then also uh, what you eat and drink, yeah. getting control of your nutrition, and then of course, another one, the fourth one that you call unclutter. Yeah. Which yeah. seems to be the big, the, to me, that was a big one for me because, you know, I would love to deal with my, my uh, tendency to clutter. Uh, but I, when, I was, when I was reading that section, I, it, it just jumped out at me that the three pillars of our exercise program, high-intensity exercise, is very similar. Yeah. We say, you know, to, to, to really, uh, the foundation of a fitness plan should deal with exercise. It should deal with rest, like you say sleep, and nutrition. So yeah. three out of your four foundational habits are, are very parallel to each yeah, other. Yeah. So I found that to be pretty interesting. And, and I agree. I mean, like, God, if you can only get a handle on sleep, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that you're exactly right. Uh, I think there's a lot of agreement on the fact that these are like the foundations because, um, because they are, you know, they're just, <laughs> they're just super, super important. So uh, that, they come up over and over again. And the reason that they come up, I think, is that they, they are why they're important to have a change generally is they're sort of, if you don't have control of these areas of your life, you, you, it's very hard to have self-command. It's, it's very hard to just have the energy and the kind of self-mastery that you need to make other kinds of changes. So you might say to yourself, well, what I really need to do is to start this side business. But if you're exhausted all the time and you, know, and you just feel like sluggish and you have to take a nap every day at three, 
and you're surrounded by a mess, it just feels harder to do that because you, but once you get enough sleep, you get some exercise, you're eating and drinking right. And you kind of, and then the unclutter, I have to say, most people don't point to unclutter as part of these foundations. They, they just talk about the three. Um, but I have found that over and over people say that they do feel this sense of kind of energy and possibility that comes from just getting rid of junk. Always. Know? No yeah, question There's just that. something, there's some tie. I don't understand it really. It doesn't really seem rational, but over and over people say they feel that way. Um, and then once you have that, then it's easier to do these other habits. Like if it's something like, um, you know, I want to, you know, call my parents once a week, or I want to write a novel in my free time, or I want to start meditating, or I want to get back into speaking Italian. It all just feels so much easier. It's all built off of... They're all built off the... That's why the foundation or the pillars, because everything comes from there. And one of the things I think people sometimes do is they forget about the body. Um, And the fact is, your your physical experience is always going to be part of your emotional experience. You can Mm. never leave your body behind. And um, and so, if you take care of your body, um, that is just going to make it much easier to do other things. Um, I see all the time when people are having trouble losing weight and they start this workout. Not that this is a weight loss program, but because they're doing this and they've committed to this, next thing you know, they say, you know, now I'm going to start. All of a sudden, it feeds off and now they want to take care of their eating. Yeah, right. No, there's definitely something where when people start making one kind of positive change, it feels like it's easier to make other kinds of positive changes. Because sometimes people start with like, very strange things like somebody will start by saying like I'm going to give up chewing gum or I'm going to you know I'm going to drink more water and I'm like oh my gosh if you only have so much effort in you to change a habit get more sleep dude don't worry about drinking more water <laughs> and speaking of sleep I remember reading an article in the New York Times magazine several years ago it was about the stigma of people that are uh, as you would call in your book owls mm-hmm. people that yeah. wake up late and stay up late uh, they may still get plenty of sleep yeah. as long as they wake up at 11 in the morning. Uh, and, and the stigma was that, you know, we live in a society where you're supposed to wake up early, get mm-hmm. to work, do yeah. your job. And if you don't, if you're not that person, if you're not a lark, as yeah. you refer to it as, then you're lazy. Mm-hmm. And I see that with people that come to work out. And a lot of people ask me, well, when's the best time to work out? Right. And I always respond with another question. I say, well, when are you at your best? Yes. Or are you a morning person? Yeah. No, then you're not going to work out in the morning. But I was told that you're yes. supposed to work out in yeah. the morning. You're yeah. supposed to eat breakfast yeah. in the morning. Yeah. And, and those rules don't apply. It's always what works for you. I completely agree. I think it's a big mistake to say, like, what's the best thing to do? Um, it's always what's the best thing for you. And it's interesting because um, you're absolutely right. Um, some people are just naturally night people, um, and that's largely genetically determined in a function of age. It's that's not what that article that you, is about. It's not something that you can change by sort of changing your bedtime. Um, and it's true that when they do, the, re- the research suggests that people who are owls are less happy, and they think it's because really our culture is set up right. for 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 larks and and school starts early so children have to be up and around early children are naturally larkish as many a parent will say (laughs) Um, work starts early young children not teenagers Um, but i think increasingly there's an awareness of this and like there's a lot of movements to try to get school to start later and i mean and Mm -hmm. i often say to people like maybe at work if there's like an 8 30 a.m meeting that's just crushing you maybe say hey can we move it to 11 30 because half of the people in that room are like barely conscious sometimes you can't change things but sometimes you can and certainly like when do you work out this idea that you should get up early and work out for a lot of people that's just setting themselves up for failure because they're at their most energetic later in the day so you're i think it's such good advice to say to people well let's talk about what works for you not what works 
like in theory or like what worked for your brother-in-law or what worked for right. Steve Jobs. I'll, you know, ask people to try, you know, let's try an appointment in the morning. Let's try one in the, yeah. you know, mid-afternoon, evening. Some people do that. And then it's very clear, you know, to mm. them where they're performing better. I've had clients, oh, they normally come at 10 a.m. And then she had a meeting and so she had to come at 4. And she just did not work out well. And she said, that's it. I'm not, I'm not coming at 4 anymore. It's just not worth it. Well, the other thing, the other strategy that's, that comes into play is the strategy of convenience. Because mm-hmm. to like an uncanny degree, we're, we're very, very influenced just by how easy something is. And so for something like working out, you want to make it as easy as possible. And I've heard from many people who say that they, they sleep in their workout clothes so they don't have to get dressed in the morning. Oh, gosh. It's one thing that you can do. But again, like if it's much easier for you and your schedule to work out at a time, that's something we're thinking about. Like the idea that you should do it first thing in the morning. It's like, well, if it's easier for you to do it at lunchtime, then you should do what works for you because it's like you'll stick to it better if it's convenient. I'm, I'm trying to put things together a little bit as I read your book. Because you have the, you have these tendencies, these four tendencies, and then you have the foundational habits that you should maybe, if you want to start somewhere, start yeah. with those those four. And then you start talking about all kinds of different traits that people have, yeah. whether you're a lark or an owl. Uh, you also talk about abundance lovers, for yeah. example, versus a minimalist uh, or a simplistic person, yeah, right? Simplicity or lover. Simplicity lover, yeah. right? So. Uh, and, and, and many more like that. So yeah. how, does, how do those tie into our tendencies? If you know they what don't. I mean. okay. The tendency is just a bit, that's a great question. The tendency is a very, very narrow aspect of your personality. So like one of the, one of the big distinctions is abstainer and moderator, which right. has to do right. with how you, you uh, deal with strong temptation. So I'm an upholder and I'm an abstainer, but many upholders are moderators. And so you can be a simplicity lover and a questioner. Like they don't, they're not all correlated. That Again, it's like, because the, the tendency is just one very narrow aspect. And then the, there are these other aspects that also come into play. Because, like, say something like an abundance lover, they're often attracted to choice. So they might prefer to go to a gym that has many, many classes and many, many options because they like that. They like abundance and profusion and choice and collections and a lot going on. And then a simplicity lover, I think I'm a simplicity lover. And that's one of the things I like about this place is it's quiet. It's limited. There are no choices. It's, it's kind of a very clean, simplified, streamlined experience. Some people don't like that. Some people prefer a different kind of, you know, they want like people talking and lots of music. And, you know, it's like whatever works for you. Different environments are, are more appealing to different people. Right. I also realized, however, when I was reading this about abundance lovers, and, you know, it's it, it, abundance lovers. You hear what I just said? Not an abundance of lovers, an abundance <laughs> lover. <laughs> a little Freudian slip there, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So we have all kinds of people coming in to try this in high intensity workout and part of the job of a trainer that's doing an, in, an intake of, of a new person is to try to figure out who this person is and what appeals to them yeah. and what aspect of this workout might appeal to them. So ob- it, it, it's obvious that a simplistic lover, simplicity lover, a simplicity lover, thank you, w- would really like this because like you said, it's, it's simple, it's quick, it's efficient, move on, it's not cluttered in some way. Then, I, then you mentioned the abundance lover. And I'm saying, well, does that mean abundance lover would just not like this workout? Because the abundance lover intellectually will read about this and say, wow, that makes sense. That's logical. So when I find that I might be with an abundance lover, somebody that's telling me their history of exercise and they work out, they do this, they do that, they do this, I still realize that I have to point something out to them. And that is, you can have all that, by the way. Yeah. We just want to really... Include this. Include this and understand that there's a balance between intensity 
and moderation. So all those other programs that you're doing, as long as they're in moderation and not taxing your system too much, enjoy them. So if you like bike riding, if you like yoga, Pilates, that's all well and good. And we're not saying, we're not saying do high-intensity exercise but in the, uh, at the exclusion of those things. Mm-hmm. What I do want to balance, however, if you're going to do a high-intensity exercise for 20 minutes once a week, leave it at that as far as the intensity is concerned and enjoy the rest of all those activities. Yeah. You know, so, so in, in other words, an abundance lover doesn't necessarily have to say, that's not for me because I like doing all these things. Right. Is there some way that we could simplify? I, I would love to. I'm intrigued now by revisiting all this. We could maybe change our intake form to put mm. certain questions on there, you know, that would help us to see the tendencies of our mm. clients. Not, Actually, not like the full question. quiz, but, you know, like some mm. kind of, you know, maybe just these things. Do you like simplicity or do you like abundance? I don't know. Those kinds of things. Maybe well, we, we could. In a way, we do. We ask some questions like on our intake form. We'll ask questions like, uh, why is this important to you? Why is this important to you now? Or, you know, uh, what, how would you describe your, your personal trainer? Uh, The idea, how would you describe the ideal personal trainer? Right. Uh, Things like that, which gives you insight into some of these things. But you're right. I think maybe there can be some key questions. Maybe the, maybe the questions that you ask on your quiz or or some version of that would be a good idea. No, I mean, I think you really could tailor th- your your conversation very differently depending on what the person's tendency is because it would what will resonate with them will be very different. If I notice I'm talking to an upholder, my, my tone might be a little bit more direct and say, you know, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah. do this, you're going to be in there 20 minutes, you're going to work out really hard, it's going to be very safe, and you're on your way. Like okay, let's get started. They don't even they don't yeah. need the yes. all explanations. Yes. They don't yes. have all those controversial yes. questions yes. that that yes. were normally yes. asked. Well, and so what you find often is that um, so questioners have so many more questions than other people. They can often drain people yeah. um, <laughs> because they ask too many questions, or they'll feel like their questions haven't been answered sufficiently. But then sometimes you get into a situation where some people are like, "Well, you're just explaining too much. I don't need to know all of this." Mm-hmm. So you might say to somebody like. I'm happy to keep. I'm happy to go deeper into the research if you want, or if you feel like you know enough to proceed, we can go and kind of give the people a, an option whether to go in or go out. Because a lot of times that's a tension where, like, a questioner will want to really, really, really explain, and then other people are like, you know what, I, 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 I don't really need to sit through that, or like, you know, or the questioner is like, I'm not ready to buy into this because my questions haven't been answered, and someone else is like, well, I'm sorry because your time is up. I need to move on. I can't answer questions for three hours, but it's like. But you need to answer. You have to answer those questioners' questions. So I think it really is something that can could change, just communication in subtle ways that would make it easier for people to stick to it. The rebel is, is, is kind of an interesting one, because when I work with a rebel, I can't tell them something like during the workout. I can't say to them, you know, don't hold your breath or don't lock out your knees. I'll say breathe freely or try to breathe more freely instead mm-hmm. of saying don't do something. Mm-hmm. If you tell somebody, you know, yeah, rebel right. not to do yes. something. Yes. So if I, you know, yeah. uh, so, so th- you have to reframe what you want them to do yeah. and, and not make it so much of a, of a command like that. Well, and one like, thing that works, um, that's a great, it, it, that's so interesting to hear. And it, another thing that works with rebels is information consequences choice. So you give them the information they need to make the, con- to make the, the, si- the choice that is going to work for them. So you might say like, People who breathe during this exercise tend to be able to complete more. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just information. Mm-hmm. The consequence is like they'll maybe able to be more successful at it. It's up to them, you know. Um, or uh, you yeah. know, we yeah. find that when people you know come once a week, we we see much quicker progress than people who come more sporadically. That's just information. Uh, 
up to you, you know, <laughs> what you want. Exactly. Um, yeah. Rather yeah. than saying, but, but you could see how someone could say something like, listen, I'm telling you right now, to, I want to see you here every mm-hmm. week. Um, and then they're like, you know what? You're not the boss of me. I'm right, not going right. to come, That's, you know? Yeah, exactly. or, um, and so it, I think you really, you, and like you say, people sort of some, kind of like intuitively sometimes ch- can change. But I think if you understand like what's triggering it, but somebody might say, like, well, if you're really gonna get if you really want to work out, you have to commit to a time. It's like, no, you don't. No. If that's not gonna work for yeah. you, do it. It's yeah. back to your point, Adam. Do what works for you. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. think about mm-hmm. you, what works for you. Let's set things up so it's gonna feel like the right thing for you. Um, well, a great question to ask people is, is there a time when you've succeeded in the past? Because a lot of times people will say, like, oh yeah, that I did that. Like when I was living in this group house after college, I was really good about doing X, Y, or Z. And you're like, okay, well, let's think about mm-hmm. what was it about that time? Or like, oh, as soon as X, Y, Z happened, I stopped. Okay, well, what was really changing? Because sometimes people think it's one thing, but it's really something totally different that's disrupted a habit. Mm-hmm. So it's really helpful to think about the past. Mm-hmm. I, honestly, I, I'm, I always say like, you know, like if you think about anything that you've been successful at yeah. in the past, what did you do? And it sort of even echoes one of the other points you have on your book about uh, you manage what you monitor, yeah. you know, and like, and if you, if you don't schedule things and monitor them, you're really, your, 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 your recipe for success is going to be very limited. Yeah. You know, this is unbelievable. And for me, I, I almost feel like better than before should be a handbook for, for new trainers. Oh, and, that's and, great. And yeah. Trainers, me because too. Understanding all this and, and people can only help communicate better with them. But a lot of people listen to our episodes of this podcast that aren't trainers. Right. And you're listening to this and you're just a uh, enthusiast about high intensity training and you want to learn more about it. What can the trainee get out of better than before as far as understanding themselves, I guess, and how they should approach the value of high intensity exercise for them? Well, I think it's really about how do you get yourself to stick to it? Because the fact is, like the best workout, ex, you know, theory in the world is going to do nobody any good if you don't actually do it. You know, so, right. and this is the thing where people get hung up. Like they'll do research. Like, oh, I'm questioners will do this. I'm going to do research, research, research to find out what's the best way, and then they never actually get into the gym because they're so busy researching it. So I think part of it is, um, is just figuring out first of all, how are you going to get yourself to exercise? And second of all, what is that exercise going to be? And so what, what would you pick that would make sense for you? And so that's, that's what I think is. If you are somebody that uh, needs accountability, yeah. uh, in a sense that so, some, some of this accountability, so if you're an obliger, for example, and if you're noticing yourself as an obliger and you want to really stick to this program, maybe you, uh, well, you have the appointments here, but also maybe you do it with a friend, right? You, yeah. you talked yeah. about having accountability to a friend yeah. and a partner in this type of thing. Uh, you also uh, talk, you know, again, if you're a lark or an owl, yeah. and to understand, hey, you don't have to work out in the morning if you're right. an owl. You know, so these are the kind of tips for yeah. people to, to kind of ask themselves, like almost like a, like a questionnaire for themselves to, to kind of help them establish when and how yeah. they should do this and how they're going to stick to it. So if you're yeah. somebody that needs to do it with a friend, then go find a friend, recruit right. a friend, and then maybe book your appointments right next to each other yeah. or work out together if you're not going to a trainer. Maybe yeah. you, you, one person trains, you train each other. You learn how to train each other and, and, and you do that. Are there other types of... Uh, Distinctions like that about yeah. how people are different from each other? Yeah. Um, well, the, one of the big ones that's been the most helpful for people is abstaining and moderating. Oh, right. Um, so the strategy of abstaining is one of the 21 strategies. And this, is th- and this has to do with how you most successfully face a strong temptation. We can all be moderate in the face of weak temptation. 
And abstainers are people who are kind of all or nothing people. Like they can have none pretty easily, but once they start, they're going to go all the way. So like I can have no cookies or I can have 11 cookies, but it's, I can't have one cookie. And that's because I'm an abstainer. And for an abstainer, it's just easier like not to get started. And for moderators, they get kind of panicky and rebellious if they're told they can never have something. So they do better when they have a little bit or they have it sometimes. So like these are the people who have the bar of fine chocolate in their drawer. And then like every two days, they have one square of fine chocolate and that's all they need. I can never do that. Yeah, I can never do that. I'm an abstainer and I have a tremendous sweet yeah. tooth. And I mean, I have talked a lot about how I gave up sugar, basically gave up carbs. And it was just such a relief to me because I'm like, all that just went away because it, it used to spend so much time like, one, two, three, four, now, later, it's my birthday, it's raining, I deserve it, I need it. And, and now I just like, I just don't eat that stuff. So it doesn't bother me and I, I can sit, I could sit here with a plate of cookies in front of me and I just, I don't eat it. So it doesn't, so because I'm an abstainer. And this isn't just for food, it's also for technology. And like on the Happier podcast, Elizabeth has talked several times about her problem with Candy Crush. Right. And, I, you know, it was affecting her career. It was affecting her physical health. Her son, wow. her like young son was like, Mommy, I have to delete it from your phone. I mean, I'm like, if your son yeah. is trying to do an intervention, it's bad. Um, and uh, she just can't play a little Candy Crush. Yeah, She's tried she and she can never gone. do it. She just can't play Candy Crush. Um, and so, you know, so I know a guy who said World of Warcraft meant that it took him an extra year to write his PhD thesis. I mean, something, mm, you know, somebody's like, I can't go on, like, I can't read a little bit of political stuff, you know, like once I'm reading, I'm starting down that rabbit hole and it's going to be three hours. I just can't read, I just can't go online and read political commentary. So one of the things, though, is that we're often taught, like back to your point, Adam, about like you're told how you should do it. We're often told like moderation is the best way and like you should do, you know, have a little bit. You follow the 80-20 rule mm -hmm. and it's not healthy to be too rigid. But what I found is that for a lot of people, it's easier to have none. It's, it sounds harder, but it's actually easier. And so if you are having trouble being moderate, try abstaining. Because so many people have said to me, oh my gosh, I, I, I never thought I could give up flour or I never thought, you know, I never thought I could give up sugar. And I realized once I gave it up, it's just not that hard. But that's not true for everyone because for moderators, they get kind of panicky and weird if they try to give up something altogether. So it's not that one way is right and one way is wrong or one way is better it's, or one way is the right way. It's just that for some people, one way works better and for other people, the other way works better. And so figure out what you are. I like achieving things, you know, like, like for example, if I say I'm not going to have sugar um, all week for six and a half days of the week. That's that blast thing you're talking about. Like he, he right, can, yeah, he can yeah. do. What do you call yeah. that? A blast start. Yeah. Blast start. So yeah. Mike's great at blast starting. Yeah. All right. He'll he'll he, he's easy to commit to doing something for like sixty days, ninety days, a hundred days. You know, he he will he'll be like dead on, never never veering. But I yeah. but I but the thing is, I love earning a day where I can have my pizza, you know, or have uh, whatever whatever it is, and and um and I feel like. That's like that gratification came with it, the hard work, and I and it gets me, it motivates me to go back on to the whole thing, of, you know, immediately afterwards. Like well, the, so that four-hour diet thing. I mean, I you know, like the Tim Ferriss thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that I you know, of course, tried that out, and and it, I, I think it's probably I look back on my life. It's for me what works for me is a model like that, which is highly structured, and then after I feel like I've earned it, like let's say after a week or two weeks. And then I let myself have the things I love, like chocolate chip so, cookies or pizza. Well, see, I would, I would reframe that. Um, instead of saying it's a reward, I would say it's a planned exception. 
So you're grown oh. up. You can do what you want. Um, <laughs> and uh, you might say, like, you know no, what? No, I'm not. No, like, Saturday, <laughs> I'm going out with my buddies. I'm going to drink pe- I'm gonna drink beer. I'm going to eat pizza. Yeah. I'm going to, like, have ice cream or whatever it is. Um, nachos. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna, and it's a planned exception, which means I plan it in advance. So Correct. I anticipate it with pleasure. I follow my rules for myself in the moment. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm showing self-control. And I look back on it with pleasure. That was a great night. I had so much fun with the guys. What happens mostly with people is they're like, oh, my gosh, I'm being so good. For a month, I'm quitting sugar. But, oh, here I am at a restaurant with my husband, and it's a lovely night, and they're having it's their special dessert. How can I not have tiramisu? Life's too <laughs> short to deny myself. I don't want to miss out on this special occasion. I don't, you know, after the day I've had, I've earned it. I'm going to have it. So they have, you don't, and then you leave, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I did not keep my, I didn't keep my, I didn't keep my word to myself. And then you feel out of control. So the planned exception, I think, is good. I would not, I mean, in my view, I have a lot in Better Than Before about rewards. I think Mm -hmm. it's very dangerous to start getting into this business of reward Mm -hmm. because inevitably people start giving themselves lots of rewards for things they haven't even earned. And then then you're not making a habit because you're always deciding, did I earn it? Did I justify it? I think it's just like the way I think it's more helpful is just like this is the way I want to eat. This is or this is what I want to do. This is what I've decided is the right thing. If I want to take some time off, or if I want to change the rules for myself, that's I, I can do that, and um, and I'm going to enjoy it. But I'm going to I'm going to do it in a deliberate, thoughtful way. I have a right. friend who's totally totally low carb yoga instructor, and he was going to Montana. And he was staying near this place that was famous for his pies, and he loves pies. So he made a rule for himself that was every day when he was on vacation, he could have pie at every meal. He could only have one piece of pie. He couldn't have whipped cream or ice cream, and he couldn't buy a pie and take it back to his hotel room. He had to eat it in the restaurant. He had a pie at every meal for yeah. like a week, so yeah. that's a lot of pie. Yes. <laughs> but he loved it's it. Whole He's pie. Like, yeah. It was like, it's like he, he loved it. He was looking forward to it. I love it. I he love got it. what he wanted, yeah, yeah. and he came home, and he went yeah. right back to low carb because it wasn't yeah. like, oh, right. well, I've been home for a week. I've been so good for a week. I deserve a piece of pie now. It's like, that was that was Montana. That was yeah, pie time. Was. Now I'm back to the way I think. <laughs> That's it's the right. way I am. You, you say you say planned exception, and I mean, in in a simpler term, I actually talk to people and say, "Hey, listen, make an appointment. Make it like yeah. make an appointment. You, talk about that. You yeah. know, actually, and yeah. and that's the thing. I'm mean, like, if you know, like. Uh, you're going to dinner next Thursday yeah. and it's at a great restaurant and you yeah. know they have the best popover in New York City, then it's like, okay, well, you know, earn that, but plan it. So it's like yeah. you you own yeah. that decision. Yes. It doesn't own you, yeah. you know, as exactly. versus like, you know, the, exactly. you're in the office and there's a big yeah. cookie yes. tray and yeah. it takes yeah. over no. you, you know? and then And then it's like, and at the end of the day, you're like, did I even eat those cookies? You get no pleasure from yeah, that. Yeah. And it just makes you good. But, and right. also sometimes people like try to give themselves something to make themselves feel better, but then in the end, it just makes them feel worse. Like that cookie plate in the office, like, yeah, it feels good for a minute, but then you're like, Ugh, what did I do? Whereas if you're looking forward to the special dessert, it's part of a whole celebration. Mm. I have to say though, for me, it's easier never to have yeah. it. Like I don't ever break mm-hmm. the rules because once I start breaking them, then it just reignites my sweet tooth. And then, then I have to deal with that buzziness that I don't like. So I don't make exceptions, but I'm very rare. Like I'm friends with Gary Tobbs. I'm like more strict than Gary Tobbs. <laughs> because <laughs> Gary Tobbs, just, just so you know, Gary Tobbs yeah, is the yeah. author of Good calories, bad calories, or why we get fat, and uh, he's done a lot of and research. And the case against sugar. And the yeah. case against sugar. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. So he's really a leader in, the, and he's the person who converted me. I read Why We Get Fat, and that mm-hmm. was like overnight. I just changed everything the way I eat. So I look to him as like my, the leader of my, um, like my own in my own life of um, of get going low carb. Um, 
But again, it's like there's no right way or wrong way. For you, Mike, yeah. the planned exception, everyone's like you're very, very strict. You get a kick out of being very, very strict and yeah. like very hardcore. I, lo- I, lo- I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you get into that. <laughs> and then you're like, eh, now I'm going to have the day off and you have the planned exception. That works for you. Um, doesn't work yeah. for me. And does it, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. I've learned that from communicating this because people ask me, how do you do it? How do you enjoy life so much but you also know how to stay on your plan? And the yeah. thing is, you know, and I mean, I do have my times of weakness like Gary Tabbs apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, but, and you know something, and it does, so, I think for my better self, for what I really want, it probably would be uh, to my, uh, it'd probably be better if I did completely abstain. But uh, what I have to reconcile in my mind is that life is short. I want to yeah. suck up the marrow of it's all these very experiences rare and trying yeah. to sort of like, like it's, that's, that's how most people feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's how most people feel. Most people, well, like my father, who's kind of like you. So he has sort of what I would call the grandchild exception, which is if there's a grandchild around, He's making pancakes. He's going to the ice cream shop. <laughs> nice. You know, he's like, 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 let's stop for a giant cookie. Let's have a yeah. corn dog at the. At is, the that visiting, is that why he's visiting? Is that why he's visiting your kids all the time? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but, but I mean, to that yeah. you say it's like it. It, it makes yeah. that time more special and yeah. fun. It's a celebration. Mm-hmm. It makes it more fun for him because he's like, mm-hmm. oh wow, we're going to stop for ice cream. But it's limited because the fact is he does. He's not with a grandchild yeah. all that much, and so it's a way to enjoy life in those treats in, right. in, a, in a way that then leaves regular life kind of because the fact is if basically most of the time you're really healthy mm-hmm. that's good enough what you do most of the time matters more than what you do every once in a while but for a lot of people the once in a while starts encroaching lead. it builds and builds and builds the exceptions build and pretty soon they're right back where they started yeah, from. Insidious. so the question is how do you maintain most of the time for me, most of the time is easier when it's all of the time. But for most people, most of the time, it, you know. But then also it's like the holiday exception. I mean, this is bad. People go nuts on vacation, you know. Right. Um, Guilty. You Just know, and it's sort of like it's fine if you go away for yeah. like four days. But, yeah. if, you know, if, you, if, you, if, you can, if you're like, oh, this summer, you know, it's a holiday. You know, like if you're like, oh, Christmas mm-hmm. Day. I, you know, but then if I, it's yeah. like if it's from like November 15th to January 3rd. Mm-hmm. I just that's got. Not, that's a lot of time. I just got back from my vacation. I made rules that I was going to let my dinners be like very, very like uh, unregulated, exactly. And but I was very, very compliant for the early part of the day, and mm. you know, and, I, so, and it, that that made me feel good for vacation. I, I was yeah. like, that was yeah. so. My sister's rule is that she's very, very good at work because she's a TV writer, and they're notorious. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Like the food that they have at these places, they'll get anything God. you want. There's Crash every service. every kind of every kind of junk food, every kind of health food, any any kind of anything. Just Spilling out everywhere, and oh, then, a lot of cigarettes too. Yeah, no, writers. Oh, they don't smoke that, that, that anymore. Old, uh, no, no, that no more. That's oh, that's a little tasker. <laughs> um, but um, and then like the studio will send like special cupcakes. So there's this bit everywhere. So her rule is she's very, very diligent and conscientious about what she eats at work. And of course, she's a type two diabetic. I, I mean, a type one diabetic. So it's it's more serious mm. for her. So she's really, really. Um, uh, scrupulous at work and then she when she's home it's it's like it's family time it's looser um, and that works for her because it's like if she 
she has to figure out some kind of boundaries for work because otherwise it just would be totally out of well, control. Well, the, the thing is that's, you know, I think that's uh, probably easier for most people because generally most people's work days, most people are predictable. They yes. usually are like, yeah. it's a certain time mm -hmm. they get there, mm -hmm. they wake up a certain time, blah, 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 blah. They're yeah. not with their kids, which may have be yeah. all, such variable schedules on the weekend. And I, we have a lot of clients who actually have to say the same thing. They, they actually have a lot of discipline with whatever they're doing during Monday through Friday, but Saturday and Sunday is always a struggle yeah. because of that, you yeah. know? Yeah, because of, of the unpredictability of their schedule. And I think for habit formation, a lot of times people do need to think about, okay, what are my weekday habits and what are my weekend habits? And to really accommodate the fact that for some people, the week and the weekend are very, very different and, and pose different challenges and different, um, different temptations. Now, I know some people who like they'll exercise one or two times during the week and both days during the weekend. I know people who exercise four times during the week and never exercise on the weekend. You know, it's like, again, Back to Adam's point, there's no right way or wrong way. It's just whatever works for you. But you might have to think about, okay, this is what works for me when I'm basically at work or like putting my kids to bed and, you know, going to sleep myself. But then on the Saturday and Sunday when things are looser, I need to rethink what my habits are going to look like so that that time is, I feel good about how I'm spending that time. Yeah, I think yes, I'm one of those, like I stay in the, in the schedule during the week and then on the weekend I make it more of a recreational exercise. Yeah. If I want to do it, do it with somebody or with a family yeah. member. And, you know, it's same with the meals too. Like I try to stay really on, on count, you know, like on the, on point. In a good day. Yeah, on point. <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. And, and then on the weekends, I just kind of relax a little bit more. But I still don't, you know, but I also go through phases, I think, too. Like, I'll go through a phase of where I'm doing really good, you know, 100% of the time, even on the weekends and everything, as far as the diet is concerned. And I think that's related to, to like, uh, moods or something. You know, mm. you go through a phase where you're like, you can really take on that diet. It's like what Adam said in the beginning. A lot of people, they start the exercise and we try to not, you, you have to be in the right mood to go on a diet or to like change your eating habits. I feel Fresh like start. Right. Yeah. But I, and, I, and I think that's one of the reasons why habits can be really valuable because once something's a habit, it's on autopilot. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about your mood. You don't have to worry about how you feel about something. It's like, right. it doesn't matter how you feel. Are you going to get up and go to the, like, do I feel like going to Inform Fitness? It doesn't matter how yes. I feel. It doesn't matter. Right. That's a habit. That's yeah, a it's just habit. The, it's habit. just the habit of doing it. It's like, do you ask yourself, like, oh, do I feel, do I feel, like, cheerful enough to brush my teeth? It's like, no, you're just <laughs> no. going to brush your teeth. So, Gretchen, I had a client this morning. We were just talking, and he just overcame food poisoning. Oh, bad. And it made me think immediately what you talked about uh, in your book about a clean slate. Ah, yes. So why don't you talk about the clean slate and then I'll tell you about this conversation. I ah. Well, the clean slate is that, um, so basically when you're trying to think about when to change a habit, the, the best time is always now. Like if you're ready to begin, begin now. Um, but there are times that feel more auspicious or that are, are, are really good times. And one is the clean slate. And that is after we go through a major transition, old habits are wiped away. And so it's easier for new habits to form. So if you've uh, got, have a new job, if you've switched schools, if you have a new puppy, if you have a new car, all these things can like make it easier to change your habits. And in fact, in one study of people who made a significant habit change, uh, moving, like moving from one apartment to, or, or house to another was a time when people were able to make big habit changes. Like when they quit smoking, people always say, if you're moving, that is a great time to quit smoking. Hmm. And so it could be clean slate. I mean, you're really kind of like that is such a, a violent uh, kind of attack on the body. And you feel so kind of 
probably washed clean by the time it's right. over. That might be a good clean slate because it's sort of like That's what I said your to him. sugar cravings or whatever. It's it, You're back down to zero. So three days later, after the food poisoning yeah. subsided, he he realized, because he, he's always, he needs to lose 20 pounds. The guy is going back and forth, up and down with his 20 pounds. And then the food poisoning happens. And now he's down like five pounds in like yeah. three days, six pounds in three days. Oh, my God. And I... Just reading the book, I was like, "Hey, this is this is a perfect clean slate for you. Yeah. This is this is a perfect opportunity, a good jump start yes. for you to stay on your no sugar diet, which yeah. I've been he's been on and off for a while. So he was really excited about this, and yeah. I was really excited that I asked some good advice yeah. to give to him. And, and <laughs> thanks uh, to you. And I think there is something about like an illness like that where it does wipe away. Like I think there is sort of this idea that you have kind of these cravings that are create. Like every time you have something sweet, it just it kicks in that you're gonna want more and more." And after something like that, that's all blown out. Um, I remember my mother got food poisoning and she lost her. She'd always had, had a lot of diet soda. And when she came back from it, she completely lost her taste for diet soda. Like something had just kind of been killed off in her. Yeah, um, I have so the that's same great problem. idea. Yeah, I, I lost my taste for Southern Comfort for the same reason. Oh, oh God. <laughs> tequila. Yeah, yeah, tequila, yes. Um, but I think but what's great is that one of the problems with Clean Slate is that you have to notice that you're going through a transition and take advantage of it. Because it is a really excellent time and habit change can be easier, but you have to realize like, oh, this could be a good um, time for me. Yeah. And I heard this funny story from a guy who he said he was like totally addicted to junk food and um, would eat fast food on his way home from work and he just couldn't resist it. And he said it was literally like his car. It was like, you know, Herbie the love bug magically turning into the driveway because he, he would go down this highway with line with fast food and he couldn't resist, couldn't resist. And then, um, and then he got a new car. And you know how car, they just smell so clean. They're mm-hmm. so pristine. And he said, I'm never going to get fast food in this car. And Great. so, <laughs> and he said it was never a temptation for him. Okay, this is a, po- just like, this is like food poisoning. This is a new car. This is a clean slate for me. Mm-hmm. Am I going to take advantage of it? Because even a week later, it's sort of too late because those old habits rush in so quickly and then they quickly like lock you in. Mm-hmm. We've all felt a habit lock in after two or three times. Um, so that's great. Oh, well, that's like a positive, like talk about a silver lining. That's Which is, again, why I want everyone that works as a trainer in high intensity training. I, I, I really highly suggest all trainers read this book to give you some real some really good tools to help understand people and to help motivate them to, 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 to create good habits. Yeah. Are you, is there any way, because if you recognized it, or recognize that you've been motivated in the past from having a clean mm-hmm. slate time in your life. Yeah. Is there That's a way idea. to manufacture yeah. it? You know, like to just like artificially create a clean slate in okay. your life. So one way you can do it is by redecorating your environment. So you could mm-hmm. paint a room or like rearrange the furniture. Um, I think partly that's part, you know, we were talking earlier about the decluttering and like kind of the weird power of decluttering. I think sometimes like if you do a really deep clean, that feels like literally like a clean slate. Like I know somebody who said to me, um, she said, I I cleaned up my fridge and suddenly I felt like I could switch careers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And somebody else I know who every, here's something where. How does that connect? No, but again, but like you get it, right? Um, And and somebody else who every January 1st empties out her refrigerator entirely. The the mustard, the pickles, everything, she just goes down. And there's something about just like physically cleaning. Um, 
or if you could even do like this guy with the with the problem with the with the fast food it's like well why don't you drive home a different way because part of it is you're driving down the highway and you're seeing the Taco yeah. Bell and the McDonald's and you're there's thinking about oh no other you, way you to go yeah. yeah like you know man there's it's another like, thing to do or ride your bike it gives you know? other you get some people I have a good one. get some people on the podcast who're just like oh great I gotta go buy myself a new car <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you have to buy a new car give me something yeah. else besides yeah. buying a new car yeah. 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 hey I got an idea if you want to get into intermittent fasting I know it works for me is if I when I want to start intermittent fast I get my teeth cleaned oh, I don't want to ruin it that's interesting <laughs> that's, that's true interesting. or you might you might kind of give yourself like even like um like a full body cleansing or like a facial like you're Before right you like, start like a literally program. I hadn't actually thought about the clean aspect of the clean slate but maybe that's something it is like something about go, not clean. sullying a clean environment with mm-hmm. sort of like whatever the bad habit oh, like is so right. Um, I think fast. when things have metaphoric power like that, it's especially it's powerful. So that's a great thing. It reminds mm-hmm. me of what you also said about um, brush, you know, almost very similarly, uh, oh. the brushing your teeth at night, at night so crazy. you don't eat again. At, so, so you don't crazy. snack at night if that happens to be one of your bad habits. I mean, I couldn't. I was like, when I heard that advice, because you hear it from time to time, I was like, that is too easy. Like, there's no way that's going to work. <laughs> and I'm like, it really, really works. Brushing your teeth, you just feel like there's part of your brain that's just like, okay, well, our work here is done, so <laughs> no see you tomorrow. Eating. Yep, uh, it really, yeah. really works. I have a couple owl clients who I think it would work for many people, but I have a couple owl clients that just I, I suggested that once, and uh, and she was like, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. I still but do they it. start eating very late in the day? Uh, yeah, I mean, like one in particular, just oh, just uh, really horrible habit. She tries, we, we every week it's a whole reset, you know, of like I try, but I fell off the wagon again. Da, da, da. It's it's unbelievable. And she has an owl type of uh, lifestyle. I have an idea for her, maybe. Uh, Because, for example, I I intermittent fast uh, probably two or three times a week. And what does that mean exactly? It means I go 16 hours approximately without eating. Okay. uh, Two or three times a week. So from when to when? So that's what I'm about to talk about because it can be any 16-hour window. For me, the window is not eating breakfast and having a late lunch and then having a dinner, an early dinner. What wouldn't work for me is if I ate breakfast, had a lunch, and then stopped eating until the following breakfast because I cannot go at night without uh. eating. All right? And if you're an owl, probably it's best to really, if you're going to intermittent fast, if you're an owl, it's better for her to abstain eating during the day and not, then she can eat at mm-hmm. night she's staying up late. So maybe she should like maybe do all her good behavior during the day, which might be easier for her. And then at night, as an owl, when she wants to eat, she's okay because, you know, the she's supposed is, to be eating. It, the now. problem with, with this particular client, it's accompanied with a lot of television watching. Like, watch, you know, I, I mean, yeah. I'm just saying that's if you're busy doing something like writing a book right. or something like that, I think you're it's a little bit, but it's like a little bit. But that's very specific. I'm not, I'm not In making, general, however, I mean, we, though, I, that I've, could be. I actually, I've, we, yeah. I've discussed the idea as an option for mm. her through all the trials we've gone through. Uh, and she's had times of success and times of failure. It's always up and down. It's a very typical story, actually. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting. The wheels thing. are turning, though. See, that's some, what this book yeah. is doing. People, trying to exactly. help us deal with Everyone's these people. Different. Yeah, some people. I I think it's it's it does. You're not you're you're making not the what you're reading, but when you're reading the the, yeah. Uh, yeah. the focus. Yeah, and possibly. some people that's that rule. If you could focus on that rule, as opposed to, you know, sometimes you could just okay, I just got to get to whatever it is, twelve o'clock tomorrow, and then I'll and then I'll. Concern myself with See, it. I think I would do better eating breakfast and lunch and like very like like something at in the afternoon. But the problem with, with just like with life 
yeah. is it's very hard not to eat dinner. Like just exactly. one thing or another, you're expected to eat dinner. So it's much yeah. easier to skip breakfast. And if one. you have the habit of eating dinner with your family and that's yeah. important to or you. Or you go out with friends. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you just, I think, yeah. I think it's much more socially challenging. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we could go all day talking about <laughs> all these things in your book. It, 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 we, we only scratched the surface. Uh, so I, I highly recommend, the, the name of the book is Better Than Before. I highly recommend if you're trying to get into an exercise habit and haven't been able to figure it out, <laughs> whether it's high intensity exercise or otherwise, this is a great place to, uh, to really start uh, helping yourself, I think. Gretchen, when's, uh, when's your new book coming out? So The Four Tendencies is out in September 2017, and it's all about The Four Tendencies. Well, Gretchen, like we said at the beginning of the show, when we began this podcast, planning it about a year and a half ago, you were one of the first names that came up, and so I'm glad huh? it finally took us 28 episodes, now 29, <laughs> to get you on, uh, and it's yeah. been an absolute delight, and we hope that you'll join us again another time. Oh, well, I'm so happy to be here. We'll have you back on when you come out with The, the, yes. the Four Tendencies. Excellent. I would love that. Boy, isn't she fun? Hey, please check out the show notes in whatever platform you might be listening from for a link to Gretchen's website, GretchenRubin.com. There you can purchase hardback copies of all of her books and listen and subscribe to her wildly popular podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin. And for those of you who, like me, love to listen to your books, we have a link to Gretchen's books in Audible as well. Okay, so here we are in the final week of our month-long contest here in May of 2017. We want to thank all of you who have left Inform Fitness a review in Yelp, Facebook, Google+, Amazon, and in iTunes. Each of you will receive a free training session at an Inform Fitness location nearest you. And all of you are in the drawing for the grand prize, which includes a personally autographed copy of Adam's book, Hour of 10, the once-a-week slow-motion fitness revolution. You'll also receive Inform Fitness apparel in the form of a hat, a t-shirt, and a hoodie jacket. And we'll top off the grand prize with a device to listen to all of the Inform Fitness podcasts, Amazon Music, audiobooks from Audible, and more using the Alexa voice service with your very own Amazon Echo. If you haven't seen the Amazon Echo, check out a link in the show notes for a full description and videos explaining what it does and how it works. It's very cool. For those of you who have not yet left a review, you're running out of time, so you better get on it. Once you do, screenshot that review and email it to podcast at informfitness.com to claim your free training session and to qualify for the grand prize. Now, you can only receive one free training session for your reviews, however, you get an entry into the grand prize drawing for each review that you submit. For instance, if you leave us a review in, say, Yelp, iTunes, and Facebook, you still get just one free training session, but three entries into the grand prize. Now again, leave a review, screenshot it, email it to podcast at informfitness.com by 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, May 31st, 2017 to claim that free training session and to qualify for the grand prize. The winner is going to be announced in next week's episode right here on the Inform Fitness Podcast. So good luck. Until then, for Adam Zickerman, Sheila Melody, and Mike Rogers, I'm Tim Edwards with the Inbound Podcasting Network.